You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway, an attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to another installment of Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway and sports meets show business. This is Al Malafronte coming at you with another installment of our holiday block party, uh, the only holiday Christmas party or the only Christmas party this side of the North, I guess, where you can actually say that baseball meets Broadway and sports meets show business. But uh, uh, much like some of our other recent party guests, uh, tonight's special hitter, Uh, who's joining us in the batter's box tonight, is helping spread the holiday spirit through her work on screen, as she seems to do every year. For the many Hallmarkies in our audience, you've seen her step up to the plate in anything from Chronicle Mysteries to Murder, She Baked, and of course, the one and only Tom the Dog's uh, holiday favorite, uh, Dream of Christmas. I know that uh, you and Kristen (laughs) really love that one during the heart of the pandemic last year, uh, Tommy boy. But uh, this season, she helped kick off the uh, holidays once again on screen with uh, Time for Them to Come Home for Christmas, which will be re-airing throughout the season on Hallmark. And she can also be seen in a starring role in the upcoming Lifetime premiere of Christmas with a Crown, which airs this Wednesday, December 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. In addition to this, I thought in so many ways she would be the perfect hitter for our lineup as she actually has an athletic background of her own, which we'll definitely dive into as I think it's so cool that she's used that and talks about it as a guiding light behind so much of her work. So with that being said, I ask you all to please turn your attention to home plate. Just beyond the marquee, now batting Lisa Daru. Lisa, welcome to the party. Woo! I love all of that that you just said. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, God, he's good at this. That was great. Oh, well, thank you. I, I, you know, I probably could have adjusted it for like, please turn your attention to home plate. No, or please turn your attention to like the goal, right? Like, because I'm I'm I'm, sure. Starting lineup. You got it. You got it. I'm with you, though. I liked it. I love you. Talking my language here. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. I know you're a big hockey girl. You were quite a player back in the day. Yeah, yeah. When I was a lot younger. I mean, I still play a little. But it's weird when you start to think about... You used to think of those guys that would talk about like how they used to make the show almost right for hockey. And then you, you're like, no, you didn't. You're, you're never going to the NHL. Like 0.16% actually get drafted, I think. And of that, like something outrageous, like 0.01% ever actually play. And here's all these guys that are like, yeah, you know, I was so close, but then I got a knee injury. And now I feel like I'm at that age where people are like, so you're really good. And I was like, 
Again, yeah, like, oh, wow, like a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> Crap, I'm older than I thought. <laughs> totally. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, do you still yeah. break out the skates and maybe play some pickup games with the family when you're all oh, together around Christmas? Oh, yeah. No, you totally. We do. My husband and I do co-ed still every Friday night, like beer league. Pre-beer and nachos or wings skate, which technically we haven't been able to do that part of it, like the after party, so to speak, with everybody else who has kids that got a babysitter that night and uh, with the pandemic. But yeah, we play every Friday. See, one of my worst nightmares, is, you said a beer league is, you know, being yeah. on ice skates after uh, a few drinks. I just don't think it would end well for me. Oh, it, trust me. We've, we've witnessed it. We had a, a dear friend who <laughs> him and my husband had a few drinks, like, cause everybody plays as many games as possible in those type of leagues. Like you've got the babysitter for the night. So you're like, I'm going to do as much as I can. And sure enough, uh, Michael, my husband and our friend, Joe, little too much. And Joe ended up separating his shoulder. And it was like the slowest injury to witness ever. You're like, is he fall? Oh, oh, that looks like it hurt. Oh, he's still playing because he doesn't know it's hurt. Tomorrow, that's going to suck. And one of the guys on our team is a doctor. And he's Dr. John. And he's like, oh, Joe, that's not going to be good tomorrow. Joe's like, I'm fine. Sure enough, he didn't play for like six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so it happens. Yeah, it is. Injuries happen. Gotta be careful with those. Yeah, very confident team you have there, and uh, I know. Totally. You, yeah, it's it's it's. Not, I I would love to catch one of your games if I'm ever up that way. And uh, come on down anytime. Yeah. All right, awesome. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. I um yeah. should say congratulations. In addition, to everything you're accomplishing on the ice rink, I uh, know that you have a nice new Christmas film that's headed to Lifetime. You star in the film, executive yeah. producer. Uh, how yeah. excited are you for folks to see Christmas with a Crown? I'm super jazzed. It was something that came about very organically. I was working with Rachel Lee Cook on a life or lifetime, well, on a Netflix film, nothing wrong with lifetime. Uh, and a camera guy overheard us talking about producing. And he just said to me, you know, you got to talk to my friends up in Edmonton, which is you guys have states, we have provinces. So it's one province over from where I am, which is currently uh, Vancouver, BC. It was in Edmonton, Alberta, which is gorgeous scenery. I'd been filming Heartland in uh, Alberta and I knew that not a lot of people were filming there. So when it came about that this team was up in Edmonton, I thought this would be perfect. And Dylan Pierce, who is a great director, he walked me through the whole process. He really helped me put it all together. Help me. I helped them. Are you kidding me? They started it all. And yeah, it was a great learning experience. And it's just so nice to be able to not only be your first time that you do get to be a lead, because I get asked that a lot from Hallmark fans. And, and the answer is, I, I don't know. It just has never really happened. And kind of that idea that the best way to make something happen is just to do it. So yeah, I'm super excited for people to see it. I think they'll really like it. And we squeaked it out like on the very last possible second, the very last day they were filming in Alberta before the COVID shut the world down. So we just made it. So it's kind of one of those whew, moments. And on top of that, you know, to, to be the lead in it is, is pretty cool. I, there's so many things I could say about it. It's just, it's overall, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's cool that you get to like step. It's like, uh, it, you know, to use a baseball term, it's like you're getting to yeah. start the game as a pitcher here, which is like actually you know, all the eyes yeah. are going to be on you, you know. And obviously, you've totally you, you've built a pretty big allegiance of fans from like the Hallmark community. I have to know, is there like being so associated with the Hallmark brand? Is there like any hesitancy to work with Lifetime or you know? I now I know a lot of uh, folks that feel the same about you know GSC family now too. Is there like yeah. Any hesitancy to like well, play for the other team? 
Well, here's the cool thing people don't really know when they watch these is that those of us who live in Vancouver, we're so spoiled because it is the second biggest filming location in North America. I think it the only bigger one is Atlanta right now. And so there's so much that films up here that unlike, say, somebody in LA or New York that has instantly been a lead their whole career, we get to kind of jump on all these different projects and nobody gets too ruffled about it. But um, that's that's kind of the pros and cons of when you do step into that position of being a lead on something. I haven't experienced whether or not that'll make a difference yet because it hasn't aired yet. <laughs> but I, you know what? I think I'm I'm pretty good at at navigating the different temperaments, different you know uh, producers, what have you that that come with with whether you work for Hallmark or Lifetime or what have you that. I don't foresee a problem, but I do understand why there would be a concern based on other people's careers and what I've witnessed. But right now, I feel like I'm Switzerland. I kind of just fly under the radar, work with different projects of all different nature, and and hope that nobody's going to come after me. So yeah, we'll see. I'll let you know. This could be a to-be-continued situation for next year. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What did I step into? We call it the batter's box, but a number of different things can happen here. Um, Yeah, you you don't know until you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's it's so cool though to hear you talk about you know how comfortable you are with like that home field advantage though getting to shoot up yeah. in up in Canada which must be awesome yeah. for you like ha- has there ever been that temptation to do the whole Hollywood thing or are you just uh, you know a proud Canadian through and through? Well, I definitely am a proud Canadian. I think all Canadians are extremely proud Canadians. We got a pretty good deal up here, but. I have gone to LA. I had a manager. I do still, I should say, I have a manager. I have all that. But what I learned pretty early on is that I got into this business a little bit later than most people. I really didn't understand it and start working and all of that till I was in my mid-20s. And I think the whole Hollywood, LA thing, when you're a lot younger, like late teens, early, early 20s, that's when it's like, you know, it's it's the idea of the Oscar and this and that. And I'm not saying that's not realistic, but I think there's a huge portion, I think it's like 98% is the average number of people who are just really happy working actors. And and being in Canada, you have your privacy, you don't have to fight for jobs. They're in your they're in your hometown. And so it's uh there is an advantage to it. And I think after being in LA for a few years back and forth, just realized that I'm a homebody and because I got I was down there and I would just audition for things up here and book stuff that came back up here. And so suddenly I was like, well, why don't I just live up there? So it's, it's a different world up here and, and privacy is really important to me. So I, maybe that's very Canadian of me, but <laughs> I, I like it and I still get to work. So yeah, I, I, I've done it and it just, it wasn't for me. Hats off to everybody who it's for, but I, I like the green space and more space and fresh air of Vancouver. So I'll keep Vancouver. Yeah. And it's pretty cool to me is uh, I thought I read that it was a Canadian production of a chorus line, you know, in the spirit of our Broadway backdrop that made you want to do this for a living. Is that right? Oh, totally. I was back home in Winnipeg, which is straight up from Minnesota. And I, that's where I grew up. And my mom had suggested, because I was supposed to go away to play hockey in Bemidji, Minnesota. And I dislocated my shoulder three times in my grade 12 year. And, and and my mom just said, like, you're going to be on the bench. Both my parents, you're going to be on the bench more than you're going to play because you're going to keep getting injured. 
And it's just that kind of injury. And so I took the year off to get it fixed and took an easy couple classes at the university. And, and one of them was theater because I thought, oh, I'm outgoing. This will be easy. And it's not. It's super freaking hard. And I went, my first assignment was to go see Chorus Line and do a review. And I remember Amanda Haynes, the, who's now a musical theater or drama teacher in Winnipeg. She was Val, Dance 10 Looks 3. And she's fan kicking and she's belting her guts out. And I thought, oh, that looks really hard. That's so cool. And in that moment, I just made that decision that this is what I was going to do. And yeah, within two weeks, I was taking... I found a studio that would train older dancers because by then I was already 18, which is insanely old. Like my teachers were younger than me and some of the kids in my classes were like five. Um, but I was taking dance lessons. I started taking singing lessons and and really dug into musical theater for the first part of my career. So I, I didn't know if it was going to be like, oh, I want to be on Broadway or I want to be in the films. And I think life just kind of took care of that because I really didn't know where it would go. I just thought it was fun. It's very naive. <laughs> <laughs> So growing up, yeah. though, you envisioned you envisioned yourself as an athlete first. I'm guessing. Oh yeah. Your parents. Yeah. It was more of a sports centric than art centric household. Then, kind of a nice balance, actually. Looking back, my my dad was very athletic. My mom was when she was younger. She had some knee problems, uh, injuries, and stuff. But yeah, sports was primarily the main focus. But because my mom was a school teacher and an elementary school teacher she was naturally very artistic. And so we did a lot of crafts and art stuff and, and even, you know, music. My, my dad was really into the drums and, and they got us into organ because the piano they bought was apparently sold before we went to pick it up. So they thought organ was a good substitute. That's never a good substitute, by the way, for any kids. Don't do it. But I played organ. Like it just, yeah, it was a kind of a really nice mix, but I didn't recognize I knew I was an athlete. I played every sport humanly possible from rugby to baseball. I tried soccer, you name it. If someone was like, here's a sport, I'm like, I'm going to master that. But hockey is what I gravitated to. And looking back now, I think I was very creative early on. Like I would constantly change my furniture around in my bedroom and um, my mom sewed. And so, you know, learning that stuff. And it was just a really good blend. I just didn't know it at the time. It's really, yeah, I lucked out on that one. But sports, what I thought at the time was my main focus. Little did I know. <laughs> yeah, little did I know. <laughs> now, yeah. you didn't grow up too far from Minnesota. And if no. if I remember correctly, it was right around when you were growing up that the Twins were actually a winning franchise. You know, back when they were winning in 87, 91. Were you yeah. going to the Metrodome back then? Yeah, we drove down. It was, I think it was... I'm going to get this wrong. It felt like nine hours when you're a kid. Maybe it's not quite that long. But definitely we did a couple of father-daughter trips with a couple other family members and parents or uh, kids. And because I remember going to uh, the mall in Minneapolis and going down like the log ride that was massive, like it's such a big deal. And then going to a couple twins games. We did it. We did it several times. And I just remember thinking in baseball how it was so cool for like the first inning. But then I realized there was eight more. And I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, okay, we're going to eat hot dogs and, you know, sing take me out to the ball game, however many more times. Like it just was, yeah, it was a whole new world because hockey is so fast. And then, or football, anything that I was used to going to regularly, uh, we didn't, we had, I guess it would be triple A ball up, up in Winnipeg. We never had like pro baseball because there's really at the time there's two Canadian teams. And now, and then I think it went down to one after that. Um, yeah. So it was, we definitely went. It was fun, but I was quite young. Wow, it's a throwback. Yeah. Now, when you were playing hockey, 
Did you have a temper? You ever get into any fights on the ice? Oh, yeah. I had to learn the hard way. Like a couple things with female hockey, you can't hit, right? And and just the way the sport evolved, we were not nearly as skilled as the guys. Like we could skate as good because we'd all come from ringette, which is a Canadian sport where you have a stick and a ring. Look it up. It's a trip. Um, but it definitely meant that, you know, when you got frustrated, a lot of times as girls, you were, you were in that age group where you're trying to learn how to socialize in general. And now you're adding like the aggression of sports that you're kind of frustrated because you're maybe not as good as you see on TV. And, and so I just remember one time I was really young. I was like 12. That's when I first started. I had seen a fight in the NHL. I don't remember who, but I was like, I'm going to try that. And we had to wear masks. So in the fight I had seen a guy grabbed the other guy, like he had his glove on and he grabbed the guy and his with his face and just like slammed his head with his helmet on into the boards and into the glass. And so the first time I got in what I considered a fight, I grabbed the girl's helmet and did the same thing, but my glove got stuck in her mask. So now I was trying to get my glove out, but every time you do that, her head's coming with you and then she's pulling away. So it just looked like I kept slamming her head into the glass and my parents were just like standing there cheering until they realized how long it was going on for. And now I just looked I just looked like the devil. So then they had to blow the whistle and come like, take my glove out of her helmet. Oh, it was a disaster. I was really bad at it. I had a lot of temper issues to work through, apparently. So I'm good now. I got it under control now. But yeah, I was intense. You brought the good parts of your sports background, though, to your craft. Because one thing we that did. I love about you is, and I know in recent years, you've given back in such a big way, you know, through helping enhance the presence of the arts in Canada and develop the great performing mm -hmm. talent there. You're the founder of Tri-Cities Film Studio, aims to train up-and-coming actors of Vancouver. And you've preached how important it is for your students to have that sports-minded outlook on the business yeah. when it comes to dealing with the challenges that you're going to face in a very cutthroat industry. Yeah. You know, I, you know who Derek yeah. Jeter is? I hope you know who Derek Jeter is. Uh, who doesn't know who Derek Jeter is? If you, uh, if you don't, just turn off your mic right now. Yeah. Off the computer. <laughs> we love you, but go away. <laughs> I know. Yes, yes. Exactly. At this point, you can yeah. just go away. I don't know. I don't mean that. We'll take yeah. all the listeners we can no, get. I, but I, anyway. Yeah, we love you. <laughs> exactly. Yes, you heard it from Lisa first. But, you know, it's yeah. funny. I When I hear you say things like that, that level of honesty, it, rem it reminded me of uh, a video I saw once of Jeter speaking with a bunch of like these up and coming minor leaguers. And he told them point blank, you know, everyone in this room is talented, but most of you aren't going to make it. You know, less than 10% yeah. of prospects will get to play a single game in the major leagues. And from there, so often the biggest challenge is just to stay in the majors and not give up. Yeah. And you always have to look over your shoulder when you're first starting out and have that pressure to perform. Did you yourself face a lot of big challenges going into it? Later in the game, I used with air quotes before you made it. Yeah. Do you oh, feel totally. like that happened? Yeah. I don't, I don't think you ever feel like you made it. I think you're constantly worried that like, is this it? <laughs> Are they going to find out that I really don't know what I'm doing? Uh, but that's every actor. And you hear people, you know, hear someone win an Oscar. And then they're like, yeah, oh my God, I thought I was going to get fired on the show. And you're like, what? But yeah, I definitely, I was way late to the game. You know, everybody else had been doing it in my eyes because it's always through your lens, right? And and we never think our version is as cool as everybody else's version, yet everybody else thinks that everybody else's version is better. So I got into all of this, again, by fluke, really, right place, right time. And it just snowballed from there. But I was already 26 when I uh, landed on a series. And even then, 
I didn't even have an agent. And then by the time I got out to Vancouver and finally got an agent, I was now up against these women in theory, even though they say it's not competitive. It is, right? There's one position and 30 of you at an audition, plus the 200 tapes they took to see. You uh, you realize really quickly that you got a lot of catching up to do. And so to me, that's where the whole idea of the sports-minded approach came from was that that's all I knew was when you're in a pressure cooker situation and you're either you'd be uncomfortable or you feel lesser than, what do I know? The only thing I know is to go back to the work because I can't control who they're picking or what, you know, back again, sports reference, what you, what positions they need. I just know what I'm really good at and maybe what I can adapt to. But if I change it too much, if I try to go be the goalie, because I know they have that position, but I'm really a defenseman, like that's not going to do anything for anybody. So it's just that idea that you have to have a tough skin. You have to be really honest and clear with yourself. But also too, you got to look at it from the point of view of if you don't make the team or if you're not selected, it's not personal. They just didn't decide at this point that they needed you. And so how can you go a step away, look at what you could you know, improve on and then come back at it with the same energy and, and maybe more education or um, having practiced or rehearsed more. It's, it's really not to beat you down when they don't pick you. It's, it's, there's no, people are not thinking about you as much as, as actors think they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, just, they just don't. They, they need a piece of a puzzle and, and you just weren't it. And that's okay. So that's the sports to me, people who succeed in sports. The one thing, uh, just kind of drawing a parallel, that I think that they do really well in sports that they don't do as well in acting is on both sides of the fence, they talk about different ways to you know uh, deal with nerves and all that. But I feel like sports, they talk about sports psychology, like it's really you know a smart move or an extra thing you add onto your plate. But in acting... They talk about therapy and they make it sound like it's awful. Like we're all a hot mess and we need therapy. And it's like, wait a minute. It's the exact same thing, just disguised. You know, one looks fancier and one looks a lot like more poo-poo. <laughs> so and meanwhile, though, same. you bring up a good point about that, though. You know, the sports psychologists, these bil- multi-billion dollar franchises hire yeah sports psychologists for their specific franchise to deal with their players on a regular basis. So you think there's more of yeah. a stigma on the acting side of that? Oh, for sure. Because I think, yeah, I mean, I, I want to be careful not to offend anybody, but sure. I definitely think that if somebody says in the acting world that they go to therapy, it's like they suddenly have to announce and feel like totally behind their choice as if it's, you know, that they're just getting ahead of the fact that people might put it down you know, that, that they're super proud of it and this and that, but you never hear, like if Serena Williams is falling apart in the final, you know, uh, um, is it match? What am I going to say? Tennis. Match, yeah. Why am I yeah. Drawing? yeah. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Oof, that was close. Uh, <laughs> you know, she, she's, she's calling in Tony Robbins or she's calling in whoever she needs and nobody's questioning it. Nobody's making her feel like she, you know, was falling apart. It's like, no, this is what she needed to succeed. Whereas with acting, if an actor's on a film and they're you maybe, you know, they're just not getting it and they need to go, you know, deal with therapy or whatever it is, a therapist, I, it, it wouldn't, it feels as an actor, like that's not something that athletes necessarily ever have to answer to. Whereas with acting, therapy is just this, you know, it's this interesting subject that some people will find very taboo. Others don't want to talk about it. They're shy to admit it. Right. And then some people are just very loud about it. So yeah. I think it's a very different situation depending on which career you have. Yeah. And, it's, and I wish it wasn't. I wish it could just be even like mental health is mental health, regardless of what you're doing. 
Absolutely, Lisa. And it, that's why it's so refreshing to hear you speak about it in such an honest and candid way, because there should not be a stigma whatsoever. And uh, no, yeah, I, they're, they're, I mean, that's, uh, wow. I, you know, it's funny. I never took a step back to really analyze that, but it's crazy, very, right? Yeah, when you, really when you look is. at it, yeah, trippy. Well, you certainly have a good head on your shoulders, Lisa. And, you know, you've accomplished a lot in your career, but uh, we do a little thing to like officially initiate you to the baseball news Broadway <laughs> community on Breaking okay. Bad. Okay. Oh it's, no. Oh no. What is it? What is it? It's the competitive a, nature. I'm like, dear God, don't fail. Okay, here uh, we go. <laughs> yeah, it's just think of it as a fun little party game. It's called Fastball okay. Derby. It's kind of like the uh, the bottom of the ninth. Uh, game's on the line, two outs. Araldis Chapman is on the mound throwing 100 miles an hour. I'm going to ask you a question. You tell me the first thing that comes to your mind, some stories okay. that you, know, you want to sprinkle in by all means, and you try to bring home that winning run. Do you think you can handle it? Got this. I got this. And it's win it. Here we go. Okay, let's do it. Fastball Derby. Uh, okay. Favorite meal in Canada? A Canadian food or just something that I just have eaten back home? Yeah, like what's something you like to eat back home? Like is the steak particularly really good there? Is there like a certain certain? Oh, poutine. Dish? Come on. Come on. Poutine. Nobody makes poutine like up in Canada. Absolutely not. Poutine all the way. Done. Do, do you make it Next yourself? Question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, and poutine is something that as a teenager growing up, it's always what you think of when you come home from the bar. Because we can go to the bar a lot earlier than you, or we can go at 18, depending on the province, or 19. And so you come home and it's like, that seems like the perfect time to try making poutine. And because you, you, you've seen it in restaurants, why can't you make gravy at three in the morning? Why can't you make curdled <laughs> cottage cheese or whatever at three in the morning? Like, oh yeah, there's been some epic poutine moments in my, in my um, teenage years. <laughs> love that. Okay. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love all that. Especially, yeah. I would really yeah. would have loved when I was 19 that you could drink earlier. But anyway, let me uh, move yes. on to the, yeah, yes. that would have been cool. Um, <laughs> part of why my buddy chose McGill University, by the way, but we'll get right? into that off air. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whole other story. Okay. Audience question from Bob Warren in New Orleans. Uh, have you ever been to either Mardi Gras or Jazz Fest and which do you think is better? I have been to Mardi Gras. I have not been to Jazz Fest. I would have loved to go to Jazz Fest because I a musical theater brat. So my husband is somebody who loves to sing jazz. He he did a live show like that right out of theater school for years up in the Yukon of all places. Uh, but yeah, I went to uh, I went to Mardi Gras and I was blown away because you you can't genuinely exp- or understand what it's like unless you're there. Like it, it it's insane between the the beads and the parades and the everybody's just in a good mood. It was, it was, it was mind boggling. And the one thing that I wasn't prepared for was just how, like, as a female, they, they warned us, they're like, be careful, don't go here, here, and here. And I'm like, what? But on TV, it looks so cool. They're like, no, there's some pretty dangerous places. Be careful. And I was like, that won't happen to us. Like just totally naive people coming to the, you know, to the city, not fully understanding what's going on. And, and I was very lucky. I had a wonderful experience. So none of that really pertained to me, but yeah. I loved it. I would go back. Well, I'd go back as often as I could. I just haven't gone back yet. But I'd love to take my girls there one day, just experience it. Because I went right after, a couple years after Katrina. And yeah, it, just to hear the stories and talk to people was amazing. So yeah, I, I've definitely been part of it. That kind of got off track, but I brought it home. I brought it back. I was like <laughs> all over the place, but we're back at it. Mardi Gras, done. There we go. Lisa DeRue, big Mardi Gras girl. There we go. Uh, (laughs) 
Um, right, we were talking about musical theater there for a moment. One Broadway show you've yet to see, but really want to. Oh my gosh, where to even start? Um, one that I would love to, it's old school, but you're in town. It was popular. It came out, it came out the 9-11, like the day that all went down. It came out that week or weekend. And it's, I think it's probably one of my favorite just because it's so clever. If you don't know what it is, it, they have to pay to go pee. So it's you're in town, not you're in town. And it's just the best satire. And it's so funny. And yeah, I, I mean, I don't even know if they still do it, but that would be one that if I could go back in time, I would have loved to see the original cast of you're in town. Uh, in the spirit of the season, your favorite claymation Christmas special. Is there more than one? I just know the original one with the abominable snowman and and I don't. What is that one even called? Rudolph, well, you're thinking of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, sure. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Fawn. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, if if that's your favorite, because it's the only one you've seen that qualifies, but there are a lot. <laughs> there are a lot of them, by the way. And they, I probably it, have. Yeah, I probably have seen more, but that's the one that like sticks out. Is that's what I'm saying? Like, is there like my mom always put on that and played Feliz Navidad by Boniem. So to me, that's like Christmas. Now, I'm not sure if it was Feliz Navidad or not, but uh, the next question was the Christmas song you played most recently on your Spotify. Oh, for my daughter, Dominic the Donkey. That and the Hippopotamus for Christmas are like on re-mother effing repeat. I have an under three-year-old. You part (laughs) Italian playing Dominic the Donkey? My last name is Malafronte, so I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my husband's a, a, a Mingotti. So yeah, he's Italian. Definitely, 100%. Okay. It just never ends at our house. Just first thing in the morning, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Mommy and daddy, Bailey's in the coffee. Here we go. We got this. <laughs> we're good. We got life. We're good. Between that and a nine-month-old, we're just, we're just, I'm telling you, man, we're just surviving right now. We're in the thick of it. So we're just, we're just making it happen. Congrats, Ooh. by the way. I know that. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, okay. Strangest place you've ever been recognized. Oh, at a there. What's it called? Orgill. It's a. It's where it's a. What is it even called? It's a convention for where they. It's like hardware convention place. Somebody out of nowhere was like, "Oh my god, you're in a Christmas movie!" And I was like, "What the heck?" Like I do, I don't even remember why I was there. And yeah, it was it was very surreal. I was totally shocked. But it was cool. I mean, they turned out very nice and we kept in touch actually via email. I, I'm Canadian. <laughs> I get sucked in. I'm like, yeah, we can be friends. And then next thing you know, you're getting emails forever and they were lovely. But yeah, yeah, Oregon, uh, I don't even know what you call it. It's like the smaller home hardware stores and stuff. Like that's where they go to purchase like big buying convention. Yeah. And I think at the time I was working back in the day for like I had just started doing Hallmark and it was, so this was like 10 plus years ago. And I... I don't even know I was there. I was helping with a marketing. I went to like some of their shows for them. You know, when you're an actor and you're, you know, even until you kind of get rocking and rolling, you, you still always feel like you need to have something on the side until you get to a spot where you feel good about life. And yeah, so I was there doing marketing or something with a company. And yeah, it was trippy. <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird. It was so weird, but I'll take it. It was cool. It was nice of them. Fact about Lisa DeRue that would surprise people the most. Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. Probably that I have a temper. 
but like a really long fuse. I mean, after the hockey story, that's kind of a no brainer. Ooh, here's a weird fact. I can't straighten my pinky on my right finger or my right hand because when I was in second grade, I slammed my finger in my door by accident in my little in my bedroom and because i was the kind of kid that always wanted to go to the hospital and my parents were like wanted to go to the hospital (laughs) i just thought it. i just i think on some level i was the second child and i just wanted more attention i don't know (laughs) but i really wanted to go to the hospital and so i thought it'd be cool to get like a cast or something a little did i know that eventually with sports i would go to the hospital more times like to the point where they pulled me aside and asked me if my parents were hurting me and i had to be like no i just was at rugby today or i was at this today but my dad had had enough of taking me to the hospital for things that they were like, no, Mr. DeRue, she's fine. So he took two popsicle sticks and cotton batten and made a sling for me and told me to wear it for a week and taped it. And so, I mean, looking back now, I don't know when I realized it, but I, I can't, it goes to about 45 degrees and that's it. And it's because the doctor, since I've asked about it, it um, they figure my tendon was snapped or something and I should have gone to the hospital. But the one time I should have gone... Now, whenever my dad makes me, you know, feel bad about something, I'm like, hey, dad, remember this moment? Parent fail. And then he drops. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's, I don't know, it's a weird one. But yeah, there you go. But yeah, yeah it's a little bit, bit of a temper. If I, long fuse, but I'll, a little bit of a temper. Bit of a temper and a fetish for going yeah. to the hospital. Okay. Yeah. You, weird, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? That sounds horrible when you put them together. <laughs> Dear Lord. Oh, man, we just lost half your audience. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're used to it. That's why we love that question. And uh, we yeah. also love this final fastball derby question, which is, uh, what is the best piece of advice that anyone ever gave you? Oh, the best piece of advice goes to a gentleman named Rick Skeen. He was my stage combat teacher in university who was the person who ended up hiring me for stunts because he was a stunt coordinator in Manitoba. And he said to me, anytime you are nervous or anytime you feel worried about starting something new, remember that moment and then think to yourself, five years from now, we'll see who's laughing and take stock of that and then try as best you can, you know, whether whatever it is you're doing around the five-year mark to really sit with that and remember how crappy you felt walking into that, whether it be that dance class or that singing lesson or that first time you tried out for something, because anything is surmountable if you just commit to doing it and not quitting it. And so that was probably the strongest piece of advice I ever got from someone quite early on. I think I was 18 at that time. So Rick Skeen for the win. (laughs) Wow, Rick Skeen. Okay, well, thank you, Rick, because uh, obviously it served Lisa really well. And because, you know, we I just had so much fun hanging out with her tonight. And I'm so excited for like all of our listeners to get to see you, Lisa, starring in Christmas with a Crown uh, this Wednesday at 8 on Lifetime. If there's one big lasting takeaway that you hope the folks at home can get uh, from this film of yours, what would that be? Just uh, don't, it's that old saying, don't judge a book by its cover because you never know when sometimes, you know, the world is, or the universe is giving you gifts you didn't really know you wanted or needed for that matter. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome stuff. And uh, wow, I cannot thank you enough for joining us tonight. This was an absolute blast. Well, thanks for having me anytime. Now that I know how to hook everything up and work it, Gosh, you guys, you don't even know how patient they were with me in technology. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You are going to hide that. I blew it out of the water. (laughs) You might have hit a home run or two, that's for sure. That's the lasting impression that I get. And thank you again. We'll make this a holiday tradition, okay? Done. I'm in. Sign me up. Deal. Awesome. 
Good stuff. And uh, thanks again to Lisa. And thanks again to all of the folks at home who listened to this installment of Break a Bat tonight. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. This is Al Malafrante signing off from the batter's box. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.